0: Hello, today we have Vanit Bora, Regional Head of Wealth Development from HSBC with us. Uh, hello, Vanit, welcome uh, for, uh, for joining us.
1: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So I guess uh, there are a lot of discussions about uh, wealth management in Asia these days, you know, given the accumulation wealth, you know, of wealth in Asia. Uh, what are some of the major trends you're seeing across the region?
1: I think the most obvious point is um, the, there is a lot of wealth that is accumulating, um, and that is because of two things. One, the, the naturally high savings rate um, that this part of the world sees, um, and of course underpinned by strong economic growth. Um, and that even though this part of the world is much younger, uh, demographically speaking, than uh, the counterparts in the West, uh, there is significant amount of wealth uh, creation, um, which is an opportunity for the wealth management industry. Uh, in other parts of the world, is, it is intergenerational transfer that attracts yeah. uh, people to the wealth management industry. But here it's more about good old money still being created. Um, what makes it particularly interesting from a wealth management industry trend standpoint is the shift in asset allocation of that wealth. Mm-hmm. In the past, um, the, the markets were less informed, more loss-averse, if I could use a behavioral, uh, uh, correct term from a behavioral finance standpoint. Uh, it stayed in cash. But we're beginning to see a shift of that money from cash to uh, investments. It is. There's still, a, uh, in aggregate, a, a tremendous amount of money sitting in cash. Uh, when at last count, in some countries, it could be as high as 70%, going down as low as 25. But by any yardstick, that is significantly more than, say, the U.S., which would struggle to get into double digits.
0: Very interesting. All
1: right. So that's the first trend. There's money, mm-hmm. and how this money is allocated is shifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. The, this then leads to the next big trend in Asian, the Asian industry is the continued role for banks in the wealth management space, mm-hmm. which is, again, quite different from, say, um, the, the, the developed parts of the world. Uh, and that is fundamentally because if cash has such a large comp- is such a large component of people's asset allocation, it's got to be with the bank. That's right. And therefore, if this shift is taking place from cash to other things, Wealth management is best done through a bank, and banks play a very dominant role, therefore. Um, I think the third trend that is uh, quite clearly visible is that uh, this this money is is being invested in manners that are very behaviorally flawed. And mm-hmm. so they go seeking yield, because yield conveys the connotation of safety and sanctuary right. and tranquility. It goes seeking... Past performance, because there's a belief that adaptive expectation would play out and what happened yesterday would happen tomorrow. Uh, there is a belief that um, that size matters and those that are big will continue to remain big and so mm-hmm. on. So actually, these trends lead us to the very obvious conclusion that there is a tremendous space for education, awareness creation, and engaging with a client, well, with a customer and making him a client, to do the right things, by first going through a a period of needs discovery, acceptance, and understanding, therefore, of the product as a solution, and then the infusion of discipline to make sure that this works for the client. Unfortunately, that requires a lot of patience, and not many in the industry have that.
0: So since Asia is quite a diversified region, from the uh, acceptance of the asset allocation concepts, to kind of product development, et cetera. Across Asia, what are some of the trends that you're seeing?
1: Um, so if you look at Asia, and if you include in that Asia-Pacific, and we bring Australia into the picture, mm-hmm. uh, the Australian marketplace truly understands and gets the principles of financial planning. Mm-hmm. And, there are, and the reason for that, the underpinning of that, is not just the more sophisticated nature of the participants, but the more evolved pension system mm-hmm which offers very high tax benefits to those who participate in those programs. And, and the, the financial planning approach, therefore, works um, and is delivered through uh, the lens of asset allocation. Because as we all know, asset allocation is the best way of delivering with some reliability the outcomes that you seek. And if it's about pension, it's about the long term. And if it's about the long term, the appropriate asset allocation uh, commensurate with your risk-reward reto- scenario would, would deliver to that. However, I think in the rest of the Asia-Pacific region, not including Japan, which is a much, much larger market with its own peculiar traits, but in the rest of the world, I would put it that asset allocation hasn't yet found the moorings. Uh, what people, are, people still follow a very segmented approach to managing, a disaggregated approach to managing their wealth, mm-hmm. which is a fundamental behavioral flaw, as we right. know. Uh, and therefore, actually, the bulk of the money stays in cash, Cash is their pension plan. Mm-hmm. Their savings account holds their pension plan. Okay. And the rest of the money goes in search of alpha, in perhaps a freewheeling, whimsical manner. Uh, and that's the part of... We, so we've got to... Any responsible financial institution must, therefore, or financial planner, for that matter, should wrestle with this reality. There's too much of cash. There's not enough investments. The investments lacks the discipline, doesn't have enough of... Underpinnings of asset allocation, mm-hmm. uh, and, and actually the root cause of all of these. Uh, while I would love to say there's no pension system, the root cause of it is that people, without the motivations and the impetus to invest, in the manner that you have seen, will behave exactly the way that people are behaving here. So I say our people, people in
0: Asia are very normal. Mm-hmm. They are normal and they are irrational, as, as Statman has said. So in terms of product development. Are you seeing any trends in terms of uh, products that can actually satisfy clients' needs you, you know, in, that, in that fashion in terms of uh, compensating for your behavioral uh, errors? What are some of the better ways of dealing with that issue?
1: I think there are a couple of points there. Um, the ideal products are those that manage a shift in risk-reward engagement as you get closer to your, uh, your, your time horizon uh, as mm-hmm. targeted products. Yeah. The trouble with them is that they bring in a certain passivity from the standpoint of the client that may lead to a rejection eventually. Mm -hmm. So the ideal scenario is one where the client has a core, which is a delegated core, but then has satellite engagements where there is an infusion of advice and collaboration, Mm -hmm. and then finally a DIY component where the client can go out and receive vicarious pleasure from being able to do things all by themselves. If you choose any one of these, mm-hmm. I think things won't work. A pure DIY style will lead to uh, a financial train wreck. A pure collaborative approach will lead to over-activity, over-engagement, over-trading as well. So you need the core. But if you just focus on the core, you lose the client because they'll go back to trading and seeking advice. And if you, uh, Some, have, some uh, approaches have been tried, which is to, because the underpinnings of this is behavioral finance and behavioral Mm -hmm. flaws, therefore. So some have tried to address this by looking at people's tendency to be behaviorally flawed Mm -hmm. and use that to then take a normal asset allocation and start to shift it towards more uh, acceptable allocations. Mm -hmm. But our recommendation is to actually first start by understanding the client's need because a need comes with an emotional bond and a commitment to stay the course. So my need could be retirement; okay, it's far away. It could be college education; it's very near. Could be um, uh, could be uh, just managing my money, which is one of the most uh, difficult to articulate. Because managing your money requires you don't have to think about risk and reward, and you know, for average individual investors, that's hard to do so. So, but once you can identify the client need. Uh, it becomes so much easier Mm -hmm. to help them stay the course.
0: I think it's very interesting to have the perspective that clients cannot be fully converted.
1: Clients cannot be fully converted because they will inherently want a style mix. So my approach, as I said earlier, would be our approach as a firm would be to un- un- uncover the client's financial genome. Mm-hmm. What is a financial genome? It's that combination of needs that is true for a client's life stage mm-hmm. and that combination of styles that they would like to use to satisfy those needs. Yes. For each need, there's a style mix. The style mix and the need mix overlay becomes your pattern of wealth management. And it mutates over time. It changes over time as your experiences change, as your life stage changes, as your, um, as, as your risk
0: appetite moves up and down. What about fees in general? What are the trends you're seeing there?
1: I think the, the hot debate on fees is about uh, the, the manner and mode in which commissions should be charged uh, to the client. Should they be asset-based or transaction-based? If they're transaction-based, uh, while it does provide for a, a good matching using GAAP principles of expenses and revenues, because a lot of the expenses are front-loaded, Uh, And to that extent, a combination of front-end loads and trailers provides good recovery for the ongoing servicing, but the front-loading helps you recover your larger expenses, which is upon sale. There is, however, a growing belief that uh, having a high load creates an incentive to keep selling uh, rather than allow clients to stay the course. And that's where fees start to play a bigger role. So with asset-based, it's perhaps better. However, it could be argued that if you are front-loading your expenses, then mm-hmm. a level-load uh, asset-based fee through the life of that engagement may not be the most commensurate way of matching. So I think the easiest thing to do is to go for a combination. Um, and um, we, we, believe we are largely finding investors are more comfortable paying a transaction fee but if they want to trade extensively, then they'll go for an account-based fee or an asset-based fee. But in the main, the bulk of the business is still done through transaction fees uh,
0: across Asia. Thank you very much, Vanit, for sharing insights with us. Thank you. You're welcome.